Father, our nation has become a lover of self versus a lover of God. May your people who are temporary citizens of this world, a nation called America, not be named among all of this madness and sin. May you give us strength to remain faithful and repentant in the midst of a unfaithful and unrepentant country and world. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin our reading in the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 11 through 13. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And here we see that Jesus is teaching on the unfaithfulness concerning finances, the unfaithful steward. And then I, I scrolled upon a tweet from Robert P. Murphy, who was, quote, replying, President Biden, who said, I will not negotiate whether America pays its debt. I will not allow this nation to default. I'm sure he mumbled it, but <laughs> but that's what he said. And then Robert P. Murphy says, what if we think of America as a student? Bam! And then he says, I hope the person who writes Biden's tweets appreciates me. Well, I appreciate you, uh, Robert. Because a student of God, America should be. This country should be a student of the Almighty. But we failed. And it's here that we find the real problem concerning this nation and world, this failure. The real problem is that people do not read the Bible. And the greater problem is that people do not practice it. We must see and we must trust we see as we read the word of God and we trust as we practice it. Because God is even in control of the livestock. We must trust him for everything. We see this in Exodus 9.3. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous murrain. I will even add that his hand is upon my chickens. I have a we have a Houdini chicken who is managing to escape out of their chicken pen. And so I thought she was a goner. I went around the house, I looked in the backyard, I looked beyond the fence in the front yard, and I didn't see her anywhere. And then I went on the side of the shed. And I moved the bikes out and all the mess there. And I started stomping through there. Went to the back of the shed. Look, I didn't see her. Then I came back around, back to the side of the shed. And sure enough, I heard a little gobble. And she dug herself a hole. And somehow I, I missed stomping on her. I, I missed moving the bikes upon her. I picked her up and she was unhurt. And I put her back in the pen. So God is even in control of my chickens. He spared that chicken's life. Praise 
be to his holy name. We, we kind of like these chickens. They just started laying eggs. And so we're pretty excited about that. We're getting roughly four eggs a day from four chickens that we have. Now, I saw a, another post, another tweet on Twitter from a classical Abbey that, say, that says, Being needed is essential to human flourishing. Being needed is essential to human flourishing, she says. And I had to reply to Abby. And I said this, God does not need us to do anything to include steward any of his creation and work. He doesn't need us. We need him. Now, on the other hand, Abby, God wants us to do some things. And so I told her, humans flourish because God wanted us. He does not need us. Therefore, being wanted may be a more appropriate word towards this essentiality that you speak of, Abby. And maybe it is this idea of thinking that we are needed that brings us to the false notion that we are to love ourselves because we ought to be needed. We ought to receive a trophy. Uh, Jenna Ellis Esquire was responding to William E. Wolfe who had tweeted on February 28th, but it looks like he may have deleted that tweet. But in this tweet, in this screenshot that she's referencing, he said, if you don't love yourself first, and rightly, you won't love your neighbor well. He says, if you don't love your nation first, and rightly, you can't love other nations well either. Remember, it's love your neighbor as yourself. Now, on the surface, this sounds... It sounds good on the surface, but it struck a chord with Jenna. She says, William deleted this very, very bad take. Be careful who you follow into the integralist revolution in evangelicalism. First Timothy 5 admonishes us not to lay hands on anyone hastily. And William is very, very untested, she says. Maybe so, because all I know, William, all I know, Jenna, is God does not need us. We need him. So this idea of loving our fir ourselves first, this is not what the Bible teaches. This is not what I read in the Bible. This is not what Jesus said. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Here we see what we're to do first. And that is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2, it says this concerning loving ourselves. It says, this know also that in the last days, peerless times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You will not love your neighbor as you ought if you do not love God first, period. And hence why I've been saying it for years now. For a couple of years. Christ first. Why do we have to keep going back to this? They keep trying to bring us back to America first and everything else first, but God first. Christ first. Oh, and not to mention Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. This does not mean to literally hate 
your family and your parents, obviously, this means that in comparison, in other words, today is my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Now I love my dad, okay? But I became a Christian and I was not, I was not going backward from that regardless. For my dad, for my mom, for my family, no one. This is what Jesus is teaching and speaking. And it's because of this determination that my dad tunes into the podcast. Why has he tuned in all these years? Maybe because he respects the fact that I I do love God. And I want to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Despite what anybody else says or thinks. Maybe he respects that. Yet somehow there are many that believe that This is going to be an easy walk in life. And they build themselves a bubble to please everybody so that they can walk in and be unharmed, so that they can be among the popular, so that they can be cozy while loving themselves. Well, it doesn't work that way. The Christian life does not work that way. You and I think that we are in control, but I'm here to tell you today, my friends, we are not. We either accept or reject the invitation in Christ that comes with the cost or you fully reject it. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now if you proclaim to speak the truth and then you are confronted with the truth, the truth that I preach to you today, what else is there to say than the truth, which is, I am wrong. Otherwise, my friend, just remain in silence. Luke 14, 6, and they could not answer him again to these things. (laughs) Of course they couldn't answer. What are you going to say against this truth? Yet many are envy of it. We're not to envy the brethren who speak truth. We're to rejoice with them. Preach it. I will encourage any brother who preaches the word of God and truth and spirit even if it goes against something that I say, may I reflect upon it. May I repent where I need to repent. God help us all. Luke 15, 30 through 32. But as soon as thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. We are saved if you are among the children of God. We must rejoice with one another. Yet for some reason, instead of rejoicing, we keep getting hammered with false ideology that teaches that we are needed and that we deserve a trophy. Now, this ideology is not liberty. It is bondage. I came across the Federalist Papers, number 10, and Madison stated that in order to... He says this, There are, again, two methods of removing the causes of faction. The one by destroying the liberty which is essential to its existence, the other by giving to every citizen the same opinions the same passions, and the same interests. Now we know that the liberty essential to the born-again Christian faction is Christ. This liberty that's found in Christ can, nor ever will be destroyed because Christ cannot be destroyed. 
Therefore, what do they do? They attempt to impose the same Antichrist opinions, the same Antichrist passions and interests upon us. And it's this Antichrist imposition that is found to be textbook and classical as history repeats. And it must be resisted by faith, which is textbook and biblical. But every single day, we find ourselves bombarded by these impositions from the left and the right. And then we wonder why America has become an unfaithful steward who loves its own self. And what does this exposition receive? Luke 16, 14, and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and then they derided him. They derided Jesus Christ. And it's covetousness that drives a man to deride the fact that he is an unfaithful steward who only loves himself. Luke 16, 15, And he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. And then they tell us to highly esteem ourselves, highly esteem our nation, why do you think divorce is so rampant? Be because people love themselves. Jesus said in Luke 16, 18, Whosoever put away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. Let's look at the comparison of two men that the Lord highlights in the same chapter, Luke 16, verse 19 through 23. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lit up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Two men! One who loved himself and became an unfaithful steward. And another man who was content with his sores and crumbs. He did not hate God for his condition. And he looked for the better to come when he would be with God. Maybe Lazarus was content with his crumbs on earth because he knew of the bread to come in heaven. We will eat bread with the Lord here on earth after his second coming too. Don't forget that. What days are to come, my friend? Don't worry about today. Keep moving forward. Keep looking to Jesus Christ. Luke 14, 15, And when one of them sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And while we're looking forward to that bread, do not forget the bread that God has given us here on earth that all of us have access to that all of us can find contentment in, that all of us will be satisfied and filled with in Luke 4, 4. And Jesus answering him said unto him, is it, is it written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God? And it's here that I find my contentment in Christ. Job understood this contentment. He understood the unfaithful steward and the lover of self. In Job 27, 12 through 14, behold all you yourselves have seen it why then are you thus altogether vain this is the portion of the wicked man with god and the heritage of oppressors which they shall receive of the almighty 
If his children be multiplied, it is for the sword, and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. They are never satisfied. Yet they say, where's my trophy? They're never satisfied with their portion. And then when it's too late, then they cry out with the unfaithful stewards. In verse 24 and 31, Luke 16, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And son Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of, my, of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they would not pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. If they're not persuaded by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're not going to be persuaded by you. And after death is not the time to cry out. Job speaks on in verse 8 and 9 of the same chapter. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he hath gained when God taketh away his soul, will God hear his cry when trouble cometh upon him? We must cry out now while we still have breath. As I cry out to you today, as Job cried out in verse 11, I will teach you by the hand of God that which is with the Almighty will I not conceal. I will not conceal the truth. Do you want to know who to love? Love God, my friend. Back to Mark 12, 30 through 31. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment that the Israel of God knows, that the Israel of God hears. and allows the Israel of God to become that faithful steward that God wants and does not need. Verse 29, Mark 12, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Yet for some reason, there are those who want to impose upon us that they are the chosen people instead. They they want us to believe that they, they are the ones that are needed for humanity's sake. I saw a post from Palestinian American Patriot on Twitter, at Pal and Patriot. And I'm going to play the clip here from a speaker it looks like number 1945, the Joe Rogan Experience. Eric Weinstein was the speaker on this clip. And this Palestinian American patriot tweets, these conversations always end up here, why they are chosen and that they really don't want to be chosen. The whole final half hour was just him being a crybaby about people noticing. Listen to the clip. And you say, like, you know, somebody, not you, but like somebody says, well, the Jews consider themselves the chosen people. Do you know why we're chosen? We view ourselves as chosen, not because, like, we're the best. Because we're responsible. 
We believe that we are responsible for this planet. And we unleashed, we Jews, Edward Teller and Stanislav Ulam, both Jews, unleashed the power of the sun on the planet, which is dooming us to a very bad end. And I believe that we are chosen in the sense that it is our responsibility, not our privilege, not our this, not our that, not that we're on top, but it's our responsibility to shepherd the birth of the human race into an interstellar species. First Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I will ask you, my friends, who are the chosen? Who are the chosen? Going back to the premise that the problem is found in the fact that people do not read the Bible, let alone practice it. Chuck replied and says, I read the Bible to the end. So I'm going with 1 Peter 2.9. Well, I'm glad, Chuck, because we also find in the Bible that faith is the hope of the chosen. We must hear and see this thunder. Then pray for understanding that Chuck and I have received in Job 26.14. Lo, these are part of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? I saw that Women's History Month was trending on Twitter today. How about we look at the history of the women that are spoken in Hebrews 11, for starters. I had posted a video clip that I had recorded in the past concerning faith, and this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, concerning this women, these women, uh, Sarah, harlot, and many more women. Verse 11, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. In verse 31, we see the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And this was, this was done by faith. Hebrews 11.35, women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. So we go back to this imposition of loving ourselves. What about the saints who love not their own lives in the book of Revelation? Revelation 12.11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. We must understand, my friends, I know it's not easy. Life is not easy, but they can only hold us for so long. Exodus 8, 32, and Pharaoh hardened in his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go, but the people were let go. It's all a matter of time. But until then, we must not twist what love is. We must not distort love, because then we find ourselves distorting faith and repentance it becomes twisted backwards and upside down. Exodus 9, 27, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. It's here that we see that there's a repentance that comes from God with faith. And there is a repentance that comes from men without faith. And while we read in verse 30, But as for thee and thy servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. We can say that we have faith. We could say that we have love, all that we want, but the truth is 
made known in faithful stewardship that resists the selfish heart. It's something that must be resisted every single day. And then we'll find ourselves in the camp with the faithful stewards that's often found in even ministering to the underdog. Listen, before I became a Christian, I had a heart for the underdog. Don't know why, I just did. And I've never fit in with the cool crowd, and I never will. And this includes popular church, and I'm glad I don't fit in. Otherwise, I might not be preaching from the wilderness as I do today. Luke 14, 13 through 14, But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Here again, we see people looking to the future instead of trying to claim trophies every single day of this life. Now, if you do not know the difference, this difference that we speak of today, how do you expect to know the difference between the order of Melchizedek and the order of Aaron? And you can check that video out that I posted the other day as well. But it's here that we must understand the order of hope, the order of Melchizedek, Otherwise, you will understand the order of death that Job speaks about. In the remainder of Job 27, those that remain of him shall be buried in death, and his widows shall not weep. Though we heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay, he may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. He buildeth his house as a moth, and as a booth that keepeth, make it, that keep, the keeper maketh. The rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. He opened his eyes, and he is not. Terrors take hold on him as waters. A tempest stealeth him away in the night. The east wind carrieth him away, and he departeth. And as a storm hurleth him out of the place, for God shall cast upon him and, and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. You may think that you have your reward now but you will not have your reward later. Now, I understand the weight of this world is heavy, but the weight of this world is one thing and the weight of the eternity is another. Sometimes it's, it's the weight of this world that is needed to get our attention. And thank God for this weight. Do not despise it. Luke 15, 16 through 18, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's had bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And would say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Here we see a true heart of repentance. And we must allow Christ to embrace this world for us. We need him. He does not need us. Yet he wants us to embrace him so he can embrace the world for us. Verse 20 through 24, And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet great away off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Why? 
because our great salvation is in Jesus Christ where true repentance is found. Not to be confused with the repentance of Pharaoh. It's here that we see that true repentance begins on the day of our salvation. True repentance ends on the day our salvation is complete. Luke 15, 10, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And I have a question for you, my friend. Will today be the day your salvation in Christ begins? Because we must always remember that there is a set time. Exodus 9, 5, and the Lord appointed a set time, saying, tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. Will the Lord save you today if you're not saved i pray so i pray that if you listen to this far that you will put your faith and trust in him that you would truly have a heart of repentance and it's division that will be caused based on your decision and the orders that we speak of today concerning the order of melchizedek and aaron are unavoidable you are either on one side or the other you are either on the side of Christ or you are not. Exodus 8, 23, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. You will either be on the repentant side of the believer who is the chosen, who is in Christ, or a Pharaoh, one or the other. And it's the closed heart that rejects God, that becomes harder and harder as it attempts to become its own rock to replace the rock of Christ. Exodus 8.15 But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So here we see that there is going to be a cost for this division. And Jesus gives us a count the cost illustration with the example of a builder and a king going to war. There's much thought in these things concerning the cost. What does it cost to serve Christ? I'll tell you what it costs, your life. Luke 14, 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, count the cost. Count the, cro- the cost. Because the invitation has been sent to all. Verse 17, Luke 14, And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. But yet many will find better things to do. Many will love themselves instead. Verse 18, And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. There are no excuses. There are no excuses. If you want to keep making excuses, you will hear what Jesus said in verse 24. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. You either come when he calls or you don't come at all. And This tells us who is in control. You and I are not in control. Exodus 9, 16 through 17. In, and in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Is yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go. He was speaking to Pharaoh who thought he was in control. God is the governor of the nations. He puts one up and he brings another down. They think that they resist him when all is according to the plan. 
It's here that we see it all boils down to those who respect the word of God and those who do not. Verse 20 through 21, He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses, and he that regardeth not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And it's here we find the faithful servant versus the unfaithful servant. One who loves himself and one who loves God. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.